Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the weekend of March 19th through the 21st, 2021. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. It's a relatively week, quiet week at the box office with not a ton of headlines or big blockbusters opening up. Uh, some new movie dates to share, and we'll get a first look at what happened uh, when LA reopened for the box office. Um, honestly, I've been spending a lot of my time, in addition to taking care of the new dog, uh, watching nominees for the Oscars for my other movie podcast, the Oscars Death Race podcast. But in any case, for this show, let's get to the top five of this week's box office. In first place this week, we have last week's leader, Disney's Raya and the Last Dragon, once again atop. Uh, it grossed $5.1 million in 2,261 theaters for a per theater average of $2,278 in week three. Uh, the most notable thing about this is that the drops were actually particularly good this week with a mere 10% drop in week three after last week's 33% drop, uh, probably partially due to LA reopening up. Um, but, you know, that that. That doesn't explain all of it. Um, domestic totals sit at $23.4 million, and internationally it has made $47.8 million for a lifetime total of $71.2 million so far. In second place, Warner Brothers' Tom and Jerry made $3.8 million in 2,508 theaters for a per theater average of $1,529 in week four. Like Raya, it posted a stellar drop of only 6%, uh, much better than the 53% from week one to week two and a 38% drop from week two to week three. Again, partly due to LA opening up as well as also for Raya, uh, the appeal of family-friendly movies generally having stronger legs uh, in general. Uh, domestically, it sits at $33.7 million to date, uh, internationally $43.5 million, uh, so there's a lifetime total of $77.2 million uh, to date. In third place, we actually have a new film. Uh, Roadside Attractions released the Benedict Cumberbatch film The Courier, uh, originally titled Iron Bark, uh, at Sundance last year. It's about a British businessman in the 1960s who was recruited to deliver secret messages to a Soviet source uh, in relation to the Cuban Missile Crisis based on a true story. Um, this film made $2 million in 1,433 theaters for a per theater average of $1,403. Uh, in fourth place, we have Lionsgate's Chaos Walking in its third week, making an additional $1.9 million in 2,132 theaters for a per theater average of $903. Uh, the mess total sits at $9.6 million so far, uh, with a $4.2 million from abroad for a lifetime total of $13.9 million. Oh, and I forgot to mention uh, the week-over-week -week drop uh, is 14%. And in fifth place, uh, we have, of course, once again, Crude's A New Age in 17th, 17th week, uh, getting another $620,000 in 1411 theaters for a per theater average of $439. Um, remarkably, it actually gained 15% week over week. Uh, domestically, total sits at $55.2 million, with an international of $104.8 million, uh, putting its lifetime total at $160 million. Now, that's a top five, but outside of that, Deadline is reporting after last week's Oscar nominations come out. Many of the Best Picture nominees are seeing that Oscar halo effect, um, as people who are going out to theaters are trying to catch up on the nominees on the big screen, uh, even if most, if not all, are available online. 
Uh, highest up on that list is Sony's The Father uh, in its second week at number 10, making $321,000 in 933 theaters, a per theater average of $344. Uh, A24 began reporting numbers for Minari at, at number 11 this week with $306,000 in 786 theaters, a per theater average of $389. Uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, which is no longer available on streaming at HBO Max, is now in week 6 of its theatrical release and made $250,000 in 951 theaters, a uh, $174 expan- theater, uh, a 174 theater expansion, and a 49% gain over last week for a per theater average of $263. Uh, good for number 13th on the chart. Uh, and then Promising Young Woman, which has been out since, what, Christmas, 13 weeks ago, got a 118% gain over last week to $195,000 and a 334 theater expansion to an 831 theater total for a per theater average of $234, a good for 14th on the chart. Now, the other uh, four best, uh, the other four best picture nominees, uh, Searchlight has not reported Nomadland's total, but it has reportedly had the largest gain in total number of theaters, an additional six hundred and fifty theaters to one uh, one thousand and fifty theaters total. Makes sense given that it's considered probably the front runner uh, for best picture. Uh, similarly, streamers Amazon with Sound of Metal and Netflix with Mank and Trial of Chicago Seven are not reporting their totals either. Uh, notably, prior to this week, Promising Woman had been the highest-grossing Best Picture nominee uh, with you know $5.4 million total, followed by Judas and the Black Messiah at $4.7 million. So total for this box office increased over last week to $17.6 million this weekend. And for the first time since I started keeping track of this, we are making more this year than last year. Uh, that's because last year this time, uh, pretty much all the studios had shut down across the U.S. and studios basically stopped reporting box office numbers. So, uh, you know, pretty low bar to clear, but still, we're, we're, we're at, at that one year mark. Uh, now, nothing big is really coming out this weekend. Probably the biggest might be uh, Nobody from Universal uh, coming out in 2000. 2,400 theaters for a film starring Bob Odenkirk. Now, everyone's holding the collective breath, I believe, uh, for the monkey movie Godzilla vs. Kong coming coming out in the middle of next week on the 31st, ahead of the long Easter weekend. So that's, I think, what we have to look forward to um, as, you know, as as we move into the coming weeks. Uh, and, and likely, you know, we're likely going to see, I believe, that should finally push Foods and New Aids out of the top five. Now, uh, total box. Now, uh, checking internationally, in Japan, uh, the final Evangelion movie has made 45 million US dollars in two weeks, uh, topping the charts over there this weekend with 6.25 million dollars on pace to beat the prior film in the franchise, which made 57 million US dollars over its entire run. Uh, it's the second highest two-week total in Japan's box office history, of course, behind Demon Slayer, which. As we mentioned last week, so uh, will be coming to the states on April twenty third. So uh, you know, definitely gonna give me a film to watch there. Um, but you know, uh, in addition to that, uh, Tom and Jerry uh, also opened at number three in Japan with about two million U.S. dollars, uh, the second best Western film in Japan uh, since the pandemic started, uh, ahead of Wonder Woman nineteen eighty four to one point six million and Ryan the Last Dragon's three hundred eighty thousand dollars. Uh, in Vietnam, a market I don't normally cover, uh, the film Bo Gia, uh, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, hopefully someone will correct 
correct me if, if I'm not, uh, is based on the web series uh, and it made 12.5 million US dollars in 14 days. Now, the reason that, you know, that seems like a relatively small number, but again, this is for Vietnam. And it's actually the highest grossing film in Vietnam's box office history, beating out Avengers Endgame, which made only 12.3 million over there. So another country uh, has the Marvel Titan fall to second place. Uh, Korea also continues to love Minari, with another 1.1 million added in its third week there, as it tops the box office for a total of 5.6 million in Korea to date. Moving to China, we have China. We have our top five. Uh, Avatar continues its re-release uh, with its total for the weekend being 14 million dollars. That's a 33% drop from last week and 44 million over two weeks or weekends. Um, good for the highest re-release post-pandemic uh, worldwide and topping the Disney live-action Mulan remake released in China. Uh, lifetime total for this highest-grossing film of all time now sits at 2.833 billion US dollars. Uh, in second place, we have Hi Mom from the Lunar New Year continuing uh, its run with another 6.7 million US dollars over the weekend. Lifetime total now sits at $819 million, which is now significant. It costs another benchmark. Uh, Hi Mom is now the high, and, and director Jia Ling has now the highest grossing film directed by a solo woman ahead of the original Wonder Woman at $818 million, according to TheNumbers.com. Now, unfortunately, uh, with Godzilla vs. Kong coming this weekend to China, uh, there may be too much competition for it to get to Wolfwalker's $835 million, but you know, still an impressive run nonetheless. Uh, in third place, Andy Lau's Endgame be hangs on uh, with third uh, in the chart with $3.7 million for a lifetime total of $110 million US dollars to date. Um, in fourth place, a new film, sci science fiction comedy Overall Planning, uh, released to a $2.7 million opening. And then in fifth place, a Western release, uh, 21 Bridges, starring the late Chadwick Boseman, released to $2.3 million US dollars. Now, as far as headlines from China's box office, two stand out to me. Uh, one, with Nomadland getting nominated for Best Picture, among others, and with you know, Chloe Zhao's controversy recently over there, as well as Do Not Split, an American-Norwegian documentary about the Hong Kong protests in 2019 to 2020, getting nominated for Best Documentary Short. The Chinese government is instructing local media to curb coverage of the Oscars, i.e. not livestream the ceremony, and to downplay the significance of the awards. Uh, notably, for Best International Film, Better Day from Hong Kong, which, you know, though it was filmed in mainland China with two mainland stars and as Mandarin as opposed to Cantonese, um, it's still considered a Hong Kong international film and got nominated as such for Best International Film. Uh, it was a bit of a phenomenon in China, making 80 million US dollars when it first released there and 184 million over two weeks. But uh, when it initially released, it was actually delayed in China due to the depiction of bullying in Chinese high schools, even being pulled from the Berlin Film Festival, presumably due to government pressure. So, you know, it seems that this Oscar is definitely not going to be one that's friendly uh, or ha have a warm reception within China for those three reasons. Now, the other headline uh, is that one of the producers from Detective Chinatown 3, uh, which again was what the highest grossing film this past Lunar New Year weekend, um, has proposed and speculated that Chinese filmmakers, due to the relative lack of infrastructure for making big-budget films in China, may have to start outsourcing production to Hollywood where it's cheaper because, you know, of all the infrastructure in place there. So that'll be a bit of a turn of events, right? You know, we're definitely seeing this trend of China 
having its own homegrown box office industry, um, making it mean that we may not need uh, U.S. films to you know help fill help fill demand uh, for films. So it's interesting that they would turn to the U.S. to help outsource and production of those films. So you know, obviously, it's too soon to see if that will materialize anytime soon, but we'll keep an eye on that. Okay, so box office numbers aside, what other headlines are there uh, for the industry? Now, as noted earlier, there are a bunch of new dates set for the rest of the year. Uh, quick side note, uh, I got my first COVID dose last week uh, for the vaccine and have scheduled my second dose. So I actually started filling out uh, my calendar with movies that I want to see in theaters again. Um, and it just got me super excited about the prospect of doing that. So in any case, here are the movie dates we have coming up this week. Um, after Fast and the Furious moved to uh, nine, moved to June twenty fifth. I speculated that the Sony would probably move Venom, let there be Carnage, off of that date so as not to compete. Looks like I was right, as the Venom sequel will be moving back to September seventeenth this year. The competition that weekend is twentieth century's Death on the Nile, Henry Poirot sequel, um, and the Boss Baby two out of DreamWorks Animation. Um, and lastly, it will be competing against Dune, which comes out stateside two weeks later. Uh, Peter Rabbit 2, the runaway from Sony, has been hopping all around the can- calendar. See what I did there? Um, you know, it, it previously had moved up a month to May 14th from June 11th, but that's pushed back behind that to July 2nd. Um, so not really sure what's going on there. Now, given that you know, uh, last week you know Peter Rabbit had moved off of the June 11th date, uh, Warner moved in the heights from Lin Manuel Miranda uh, and John M. Chu up a week, um, you know, to the June 11th date, uh, so that it wouldn't be competing against the June 18th release of Pixar's Luca. Uh, now, Kenneth Branagh is releasing a film through Focus Features on November 12th called Belfast, uh, competing against Sony's Ghostbuster Afterlife. Definitely a more in the arts house film, I believe. Um, not quite as much for the mainstream audience, but still, um, definitely got to make a note of that. Um, and then, t- talking about some films for next year, uh, in 2011, there was a film from Antonio Banderas that was a spin off of the Shrek franchise, Puss in Boots. Um, it's getting a sequel 11 years later in Puss in Boots, Last Wish, set for September. 23rd, 2022. Definitely didn't see that one coming. Uh, DreamWorks is also working on another animated movie coming out next year called The Bad Guys, based on a bunch of books of the same name, um, set for April 15th, 2022. Now, normally I don't talk about films still in development, but apparently uh, the newly formed Avatar Studios out of Paramount, dedicated to the Avatar The Last Airbender franchise, will be having its first project be an animated theatrical release, which I'm infinitely excited for. I love that universe. Maybe it can take up take up some of the box office success using the Avatar name uh, from James Cameron films. And of course, welcome to the bossing say there is no live action Avatar live action film. And finally, this doesn't really change anything, uh, but Bob Chappick of Disney has stated that Black Widow being a theatrical exclusive release or not will be a last minute call, whatever that means. Um, obviously, we still don't have any numbers yet from how Raya and the Last Dragon did on their premiere access release. So, you know, we'll see. We'll keep an eye, of course, on whenever they make a decision on what to do with Black Widow. Now, checking in on LA, in its first weekend back since the pandemic started, according to Deadline, uh, the market made about 1.05 million US dollars over Friday and Saturday, no Sunday numbers at the time of recording, um, ahead of New York's opening number weekends of $744,000 over the first two days, uh, two weeks ago, um, you know, before settling at 107 uh, or $1.07 million. New York this week is making 611 k this weekend, so, um, you know, definitely... Uh, 
LA is definitely back. Uh, Kelly Marie Tran and director Carlos Estrada from Ryan the Last Dragon were at the El Capitan Theater uh, to welcome moviegoers. Uh, with LA open, AMC is at 98% of theaters reopened again across the country, um, though it looks like indie theaters aren't qu- doing quite as well in terms of reopening. But, you know, we definitely, uh, definitely a good place for um, Godzilla vs. Kong coming up. Um, also of note, with LA and New York reopened, uh, Chris Nolan's Tenet popped up again with $55,000 across the two markets um, in the 11 IMAX screens. Uh, speaking of Tenet, it is finally coming uh, to streaming on May 1st to HBO Max, um, especially after, it was kind of funny after all of the hoo-ha-ha uh, that Chris Nolan made about HBO Max and such. But I guess, you know, it's been, what, uh, almost eight months, I guess, since, uh, you know, Tenet came out. So I'm um, still respecting the theatrical window as it used to be. Um, and of course, I'd be remiss to not to talk about streaming and not mention uh, the Snyder Cut version of Justice League coming out to HBO Max this past weekend as well. Um, definitely seem to be buzzing on social media. I personally haven't seen myself. I don't really have any plans to. Um, too many other Oscar movies I need to be watching. Um, and you know, I, I personally just don't feel like digging into all the think pieces of what this means about whether they're going to revitalize the Snyder version of the DC Universe or not. Uh, when we get a report of a film you know, being in production, someone being cast and all that, is when I'll report on that, not before. Um, now, what does look good, I will talk about, is of course that Godzilla vs. Kong reviews are looking to be good as it's coming out again, uh, not this weekend, but middle of next week. So I'm very interested to see how that turns up for both HBO Max and theatrically, uh, with it predicted to be the highest opening film to date post-pandemic to open the north of 20 million US dollars. Um, of course, we'll be here next week to see how that all pans out. And with that, I think that's a wrap for this episode. Uh, Suit me ideas for what I should be covering via email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. You can file or so on Spotify, iTunes, or Google Play. Make sure you subscribe and leave a review or at the very least, tell a friend who loves movies. Any of that helps. If you're feeling extra generous, consider supporting us on Patreon, which helps me make not only this show, but all the other podcasts I work on. Links to all that will be in our show notes. Numbers used in the show come from dnumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at thecompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Yeah.